Hello and welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek and today my guest is Aaron Davidson. Uh, Aaron, longtime friend, welcome back to the Denverse. Thanks so much, happy to be here. Uh, Aaron, I believe you're quarantined in Chicago still. Have you? That is correct. When was the last time you did something normal? Um, you know, do we consider normal going to grocery stores? Do the grocery stores feel normal when you go there? No, they do not. No, they do not. I, the last time I did something that I would consider normal was um, March 13th. I had a book club um, <laughs> over at a couple friends' house. And we, it was specifically, it was like we were feeling it starting to not be normal. And that is the last gathering that I've seen outside of my girlfriend. Wow. Well, that was that the NBA night? Was that the night the NBA stopped? No, I remember that. So the night the NBA stopped, I was uh, Oh, that was home. the next week. It was the next, uh, I think it was actually earlier. It was that earlier in that week. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It was a Wednesday. I remember that. And I was walking home from a, a theater show. And I was walking home late at night. And I looked at my phone and I gasped. <laughs> Well, as I've covered many times on this podcast, I was watching the Nuggets when that whole thing happened, and it was bizarre. <laughs> um, that was back March 11th, so we're over two, like almost two and a half months later, um, and we have not seen a professional sporting event put on that we would consider professional in, in the United States. Um, and, I mean, you know, everything, including this podcast is on zoom now and just a just a side note um you can change the names on zoom earlier aaron could not get the microphone to work on it <laughs> so i changed his name from aaron davidson to no sound davidson so that's a fun way to pass the time on zoom just start start changing your name and if you're the host you can also change other people's names i had no idea i was like how does zoom know that my microphone is not working this is hysterical but scary and so you can mess with people this is <laughs> the best thing we've discovered to make zoom calls less awful than we've realized they are so aaron you are an actor or you were an actor before coronavirus mm -hmm. and one of the things i wanted to talk to you today was we're seeing all of these athletes try to weigh the cost and benefits of returning to their stage which is arenas and stadiums and it's also something that you and your um, other theater friends are, are thinking about. So how have you looked at that parallel um, as you watch these sports leagues dip their toes in reopening? Yeah, it's been really interesting. It's, um, this is one of the first times where I could say I feel like I can truly understand the mental aspect of a professional athlete more than I honestly ever have. There was an article about um, our one Nolan Arenado a couple weeks ago that ESPN did talking about his day-to-day -day routine normally on a game day and what it is right now. Um, it was very sad just to hear essentially how things have changed and how sad Nolan was, but it reminded me so much of the routine that a professional actor or musician does in terms of you know, a performance or a sport, uh, a game is, you know, two to three hours in length. And you spend every hour of the day getting ready for that. If it's an athlete, it's, you know, 
a baseball player going to the cages, stretching, yada, yada. If it's an actor, you uh, have specific things. You'll eat, you'll warm up, you'll stretch your body, you'll do vocal exercises. It's very similar. And when you take that away, you know, what, what, what are you, what, you know, I, what do you, do you just still do voice lessons, even though there's nothing that you are going to be singing for in the foreseeable future? Um, just like a athlete, do you still do, do your workout when you're not sure when you're going to be playing again? So that, that was one interesting thing that I could really relate to. Well, and it's something that I know as Nuggets fans, we're worried about with the Nuggets sitting in the three seed going into the playoffs and we're wondering what has Jokic been doing because Jokic's <laughs> fitness is is the team like we need him to be able to go 48 minutes if he needs to in the playoffs and I don't know if you saw this but yesterday there was a sighting of Jokic at Wash Park and he's lost like 15 to 20 pounds he is Interesting. skinny right now I didn't know if he was honestly in Serbia I wasn't sure if he'd gone back. I think, so he lives in the penthouse apartment that was built right next to the Pepsi Center. I can't see Serbia having anything as nice as that. And I think most of his family lives here, so. Well, his horses live in Serbia. I'm, I'm shocked yeah. he didn't decide. <laughs> Go hang out with the horses. So. Do you he, think him being skinny is a good thing or a bad thing? I don't think we have any idea. <laughs> We've never seen a skinny Jokic before. Um, if it makes him quicker, I think that's good. He gets beat up on a lot. So, and I think especially after watching the Jordan documentary, like Jokic has those scars on his arms all season. Yes. People just clawing yes. at him. So I don't know that he wants to be able to be pushed around, but I think that that, at least, at least it, he's not getting out of shape, at least from this one picture of him from behind, from like 15 feet away that someone took it, watch park yesterday. <laughs> um, speaking of which, did you, how much of the Jordan documentary have you watched now? So far I've watched the first three. Um, I like, all, I've been like saving it almost. I've, I feel like I've been too precious of it. It's, you know, the tiny bit of, of sports that we have. So I've, I like binged the first three in like two days and then, I was like, no, 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 you got to make this laugh. And now I, you know, I need to watch more of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that that, I haven't missed the unknown, the adrenaline of sports until near the end of that documentary where I was just watching like playoff basketball in one of those last couple of years series of Jordan. And I was just like, man, I miss this and want this back. And I, yeah. how have you filled the void without having sports and having that adrenaline? Has it been something that you what have you missed about it? And what has sort of just been sort of, it's just not there right now. It's interesting. I remember in a, a previous episode you were talking about, and you just mentioned kind of not missing the, with so much unknown, the, the unknown of will they hit the shot at the very end or something, not uh -huh. being there is kind of nice, which I can, I can honestly relate to that. Um, obviously I miss the, just the competitiveness and I am I am a competitive person and so I think I put it out in in other people and watching other people compete and I I'm a stat junkie so like I would love looking at the probabilities and statistics after games and I would often joke that unlike most people waste most of the time on social media 
as many sports fans can probably relate to, I would always say if you took away, you know, ESPN and all the stat websites out there, I would have gained, you know, like hours of my day back every day. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I miss the, I miss the escape and I miss the storytelling. I think that's especially playoffs. You know, I'm a storyteller by trade and um, one of, as we see by the Jordan documentary, if theater and music and, and things like that can't tell stories right now, you know, I miss the stories that could be told through sport. Yeah, I think that that is really true. And the fact that the stories that we have right now are just the players and the owners arguing over how they're going to restart the leagues, especially with baseball, has been really frustrating because that is usually the realm of people like me who are too obsessed about sports where they know way too much about how collective bargaining works. Mm -hmm. Most, the casual fan does not normally care about this as long as they're playing. They don't care about the difference between billionaires and millionaires. But now that it's the season is on the line, especially for baseball more than the other leagues over money and not the coronavirus, it's been, it's been frustrating, especially because we're getting so little good news. You would just like for them to come together. How have you thought about that, especially as a member of the actors union? What's it called? Yeah. Yeah. The actors equity association, which is the, the union that um, encompasses around like 52,000 um, actors and stage managers um, mm -hmm. in live theater. Uh, it's been very interesting because I have, once again, it's I, I've like, when did I think I'd truly be able to relate to the professional sports um, as much? But what what's happening in terms of the union? And I will say the sports unions have far more power and leverage than a, a theater union does. Um, but they're both tackling with the thought of a significant portion of their revenue has to do with, you know, patrons or fans being in seats and paying tickets or paying for concessions and stuff like that. And when that money is not there, because I think it's, we all inevitably know like if and when sports comes back, fans will not be in, in there. I think that is, we all have come to that realization for at least the foreseeable future, there will be fanless games. Except for the NFL. The NFL has not come to that <laughs> conclusion yet, but everyone else in the world is on the same page on this. <laughs> what is the first preseason game in like august come, yeah, come july jeez it's a couple months and they jesus um anyway <laughs> <laughs> nothing like an nfl stadium you know hundred thousand those are like the biggest stadiums any okay moving on um i think you know as we're seeing this the the, the economic model is made for you know a portion of the the money comes from ticket sales and concessions and, a, and then at least for sports, a portion, and this is where there is still something, a large portion comes from TV and stuff like that. But when that money is not there, how do you, how, how do you real, you know, realize what's happening there? There, I saw the MLBs. Um, it was, was it posted today or yesterday? The pr proposal that the, they gave to the players union about pay cuts. Did you yeah, see that? Yeah, it, it leaked yesterday. So yeah. So I looked at that, and if you haven't seen it, it's it essentially, um, just as an example, I'm looking at it right here, a minimum salaried 
which normally is um, just over $56,000. $560,000. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, gets cut in half to $262,000. Um, so the minimums get cut in half, and then like the upper ones get cut substantially more percentage-wise, like a $35 million contract becomes a $7.8 um, million contract, which obviously the players union was not a fan of you know seeing the biggest contracts get cut you know 70 percent is obviously not something any union will be happy about but the thing that's most interesting to me is the you know the actors union has also talked there's been things of you know if and when that starts do do we agree for pay cuts to, and no, no, no decision has been made. And there's even still no decision on what the guidelines yet for returning necessarily are. But I, I think all sports or whatever has to realize that like, we're used to an economic system where every year money, you, you know, the league makes more money than they did before. Mm-hmm. Players make more money than they did the year before. That's just not going to happen. Like, both sides are going to be unhappy and because the whole world's unhappy and it's almost about how can we lose the least amount of money or get the closest to breaking even. And that's a hard question. And once again, then it becomes, you know, the billionaire owners versus, you know, the, the players. And I, I personally side a little bit more with the players. They're also even putting themselves more at risk than an owner writing a check, I would say. Yeah. And I think the one thing that was so interesting about the proposal yesterday is what the owners were trying to say to the players was the people within this that make the most money need to take the biggest pay cut for the good of the league. But the people who actually make the most money are the owners. And so the <laughs> owners are asking the highest paid players to take one for the team, but the team is the owners. Like, none of us think that the owners are proposing this so that they will lose the most money. Yes, 100%. And, I mean, we know, you know, this is, this is going to be really hard. And for, you know, teams like the Rockies who – negotiated the worst uh, regional TV contract in the league uh, yeah, last yeah. year, you know, that that's all of their revenue. They're building a, you know, nice entrance thing. I don't know what to call it. McGregor Square, which the Rockies own, which will have the tattered cover and lofts and businesses. But the, the city sold them that for stadium improvements. They can't just use that to like hold themselves up and so you know the Rockies are a team that's going to be in trouble and they have money committed to Nolan Arenado who is maybe going to make a lot less money but they you know they're a team that's going to be hurt by this the Dodgers probably will also be hurt by this because they're used to sold out stadiums they have a weird tv thing where you know half the half of LA can't even see their games Mm. But, yeah, everyone is going to lose money. And the Major League Baseball is different than the other leagues where baseball has revenue sharing, but they don't have a salary cap. And yeah. so the owners get to decide how much risk they take on. The other leagues, and this has been interesting, especially with the NHL and the NBA, they have a salary cap. And the way that the salary cap works is 
in good times, the owners are going to get all of the profits, but in bad times, that means the owners should take on the losses. Um, Do they take on like the majority or is it like a 50-50 split? Well, it's sort of, there's this complicated thing called escrow, which is where players have to, they don't get all of their salary at one time, they pay it in so that if league revenue doesn't meet the number, they have to, they have to use that money to pay for their own salaries down the road, which is really dumb. Yeah. Um, but like that is sort of like what the bargain is supposed to be with the salary cap. But we're seeing that it's not. And I think the NHL, you know, has come forth with a proposal. But the NHL Players Association said, you know, like we have not agreed on any of this yet, just for the record. Like we have agreed yeah. to the format, but not we have not agreed to, yes, we're definitely going to play. The NBA, you know, a ton of players don't want to come back. Um, and just knowing how this virus has been, the NBA players are more likely than the NHL and the Major League Baseball to know people who have been affected by coronavirus mm-hmm. because it has targeted um, minority communities and poorer communities. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they're hesitant about this. And, and they're the sport where you there's no – you're on top of each other, you're sweating, you're, um, you're very close contact. Yeah. And so I think that that, that is interesting. And then you have leagues that don't have any sort of bargaining ability. And that is the college sports where the players don't get to decide if they come back or not, they can not come back. They just lose their scholarship or they, you know, that's basically their, they have no power in that dynamic because the because of the amateur athlete status, there is not a players' union for college sports. Um, that that guy that was suing, I think his name was McSorley or something like that. I don't I don't know. He was trying to he was trying to come up with a union a few years ago. Oh yes 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 for college athletes. Yes. Yeah. But I think that that is interesting. And it's been interesting to see, you know, the SEC is ready to start again. And the Pac-12 is in really big trouble because California is going to be a hard place to play sports. And I saw, it was interesting because the only person that I feel like is being honest is Michigan's president, the president of the University of Michigan said, just so everyone knows, we're not going to let athletes come back and not let the rest of the school come back. And everyone that thinks that we just have this optimistic outlook for college football, which runs college sports, like all the other sports only can survive because of college football yeah. is being, you know, is just being delusional. When it makes me think of too, the, the thing that once again, we've talked about, you know, just amongst peers as, as a performer of uh, this is, you know, whether sports is, is somebody's passion and let alone an amateur athlete whether they have a chance to be a professional or not, you know, that this is their passion and you have a limited amount of time that your body literally can do it. Mm-hmm. You're on an, you're on an age clock and it's, you know, it's easy to use that passion. It's to, against them in terms of like, well, you know, just come back or just, it's, it's a weapon that, that, um, can be used by whether it's athletic directors and whether they're doing it on purpose or doing it literally for the good of knowing how important it is financially, or they're doing it as owners 
these are the people that are putting themselves at risk physically and emotionally and whether they return or don't return and their passion for wanting to do what they are good at is essentially being you know it's it's the the bullet in the in the gun and you just hope that you don't you don't it doesn't land on you let let me ask you something so if let's say that the i don't i don't exactly know how this would work but let's say that the people that own all of the theaters and the equity um actor actors equity ended up getting in a feud the equity actors went on strike and basically the producers at all of these theaters hired replacement athletes we get we get into a replacement a replacement <laughs> actor scenario uh-huh how do you think it would be obvious the the level of quality that drops off or do you think because these people aren't in direct competition and because there are so many people that want to do this it would be hard to tell to like the average fan that something was different for for uh, a theater world i honestly yeah. think it would be harder to tell than one would then the union would like to admit um only because unlike you know professional athletes where like every player in the nfl is in the the union you know you mm. can't opt out of it there is only a fraction of people that that are work as a professional actor that are in the union it has you know the most well known is broadway and mm-hmm. there is an agreement at broadway where every single broadway ca- house is a union house so that that is the only place in the country that's like that so every single actor there as if it was the nfl so um the theater that you would see at your, you know, there in Denver and other places, you honestly probably wouldn't notice as much of a difference. There's, there's no talent level in terms of a union or not union actor, you know, truly. Um, in some, obviously, some of the union actors might be more well known. Uh, they might be older. If you, you know, that's kind of the hardest thing in terms of there's a slight thing of older. Um, the older you are, kind of the more chance that you might be in the union um, as opposed to younger. But I, it's definitely a little different. There would be a difference, but I don't think the difference would be like we would see if, if you and I had to, had to go play Major League Baseball because um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, all the players said, yeah, I don't think this is worth it right now. Yeah, I think that, that it is an interesting thing to think about. It also is so interesting knowing the New York theater people, like in some ways, like obviously not helping you guys go on strike, but could you imagine how upset the theater people would be? Like you go to Hamilton and you're like, man, that lead was terrible. I just can't, <laughs> I can't believe how bad that lead was. Yeah, it'd be bad. It'd be bad. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you, you alluded to the article about Nolan earlier, and I've been thinking a lot about Nolan Arenado recently and how this is going to play out. Because obviously in spring training, we thought that Nolan was going to be traded and we had, we had seen him for the last time in a Rockies uniform. This has put that on hold. And from reading that article and a few others, it's clear, like Nolan has mentioned by name that he misses playing at Coors Field and playing for the Rockies. Yeah. Are you getting a sense, obviously we're both just guessing here, but that maybe Nolan is softening a little bit on, a need to be traded. And then I'll talk about his contract in a minute. 
I mean, I think like anything, it you know, when things like this happen in your world, it makes it makes the the little things the the things that were big seem a little you know uh, not quite as big, mm-hmm. and uh, and it makes you grateful for the the relationships and the home that you've made, which you know he's he's played in Colorado for what is it six years seven years. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. It was either 20, um, 2012 or 2013 when you started. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's heartening to hear that. And also uh, nobody wants to, you know, like the last time you, you show up to not let alone, let's say he plays again and he doesn't see a fan. What if he plays for the Rockies, but never sees a, a Rockies fan in a stadium again, because he plays a year with no fans and then is no longer there. Like, nobody wants that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bad scenario. And obviously, Jeff Breidich, who in a recent athletic survey, is the thing most hated by Rockies fans, maybe ever. <laughs> like, questions that were like, what do you think would improve the game day experience? Getting rid of Jeff Breidich. Like, it was like that level of bad <laughs> in this athletic survey of Rockies fans. But... The other thing about this is, so Nolan's contract is up after next season. He has an opt-out after next season, or he stays on for a number of years. I can't remember how many years right now. This, this situation has made it that if the Rockies want to keep him, Nolan is going to have a really hard time opting out because revenues are about to plummet, free agent money is gone, and the collective bargaining agreements expires that same year where he's going to be able to opt out. And given how nasty this is getting between the Players Association and the owners right now, I think we're looking at a really bad collective bargaining agreement um, period. Yeah. So I think just logistically, if Breidich is willing to swallow whatever pride he may have left um, and just hold on to Nolan, I I think that this has opened up at least a path where – that opt-out is going to be really hard for Nolan to execute on. Yeah, I, that's a great way of looking at it. And then, you know, you can then ask the question of, you know, it'd be amazing to keep Nolan. And, but then let's say there's a, what if a salary cap comes and someday Nolan's, you know, $30 million salary four years from now is one-fourth of the, of the entire payroll. You know, that, that could be a thing that would happen. But from even Nolan's perspective at this point staying in the, I think a lot of us are feeling it right now of it's tempting to want to make big changes, but it's also would feel really nice to wait until things get a little less crazy before making a big change and changing teams would be a big change or opting out of a, one of the largest contracts in the, in the history of baseball given would be a big change. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we don't know if fans are going to be able to go back next summer. Like we're just, we're all operating under this assumption that we're going to be able to get a vaccine before next baseball season to even like get to that point. Yeah. And you know, if they only allow 50% of fans, that's going to hurt teams like the Rockies, which rely on, you know, almost every game they're at half capacity, at least the last couple of years and over. So that's just like extra that's getting lopped off, you know, fireworks games where they're used to 60,000 people. Now you can only have 30,000 people and probably no fireworks. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see. And I mean, obviously we just want baseball back and we're just 
somehow hoping that this fluky schedule will make it that the Rockies aren't as bad as we think they're going to be. <laughs> they always start well. They're more often, well, those first 80 games are sometimes the best you'll get. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Like, the Rockies are almost always a better first-half team than second-half team. And if you're really only playing till Labor Day, the Rockies are usually good until Memorial Day, or they're bad until Memorial Day, and then good until the 4th of July. So we just need one one hot streak. Um, I wanted to ask, did you watch any of the match with Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson? I didn't. Did you? I did. And I will say it was entertaining. It was twice as long as it needed to be. They should have played nine holes. Um, they played 18? Yeah, I don't need they, to see. Yeah. But non-golfers um, play 18 holes. There were a lot of good moments. I mean, watching Tom Brady be bad was fun, even though he had the best shot of the, of the day. For the mo- most part, he was bad. The mic'd up players and being able to talk to the announcers was for the most part great. Like, you know, Charles Barkley could talk to Tom Brady and like make fun of him on the course, <laughs> which is funny because Charles Barkley's also bad at golf. The best, one of the best parts was Phil Mickelson explaining things in great detail. He reminded me of Michael Scott on The Office. Oh, that's good. And then the next day, there was a Ringer article where they mentioned one of these times where Phil was going on and on and on. And it said, and then Tiger gave the Jim Halpert look to the camera and beat (laughs) Phil and took all of this money away from his sponsor. And then, of course, the star of the show was Peyton Manning, who I don't know what scenario Peyton is not going to be entertaining in at this point. But the fact that he doesn't have a talk show or something is amazing, given how like off-the-cuff funny he was able to be. And it also created a, a bit of a Reddit stir where, well, it wasn't really a Reddit stir. Uh, Ryan Koningsberg, my fo- former CU Boulder neighbor and one of the heads of DNVR, w- recorded a podcast the next day after the match and said that based on Peyton Manning's hat choice, and I'm hoping more than just like the hats that Manning was wearing, uh, he thinks that Manning is getting to be the next owner of the Denver Broncos. Wow. What a hot take. I mean, really hot take based on a golf match and some hats. <laughs> but I also think that it, it, when you think about it, like Peyton Manning still lives in Denver, is as beloved here as he is in Indianapolis and Tennessee. Like yes. we have completely taken like Peyton Manning's one of us. We know that he, like, I saw some, some numbers that he's making maybe up to $100 million a year just in sponsorships. This is post-playing career. Wow, yep. And so he has the money. And we know that the, owner, the ownership of the Broncos is up in the air. And the thought that seven of these children, or possibly eight if the children no one know, ch- child no one knew about until after the funeral, is included in the Bullen saga, um, are going to agree on who the next owner is. Who Slash, it might be a good, you know, hey, with all the economic stuff, maybe you can buy low on an NFL franchise right now, Peyton. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he just, <laughs> he just has to be the majority owner. The Bullens can own half the team still. So I think wow. it's an interesting, interesting thing that's out there. I don't, I don't know how true it is, but I don't know. Uh, of 
actual options, the only person that I think I would rather have as the owner is Mark Cuban. And I don't think he really wants to own the Broncos, but he's someone that could. Yeah. But I don't, I can't think of a better owner for the Broncos than Peyton Manning. No, that's that, that is, that is a dream. Um, okay. In our last few minutes, I just wanted to get some just random predictions thinking about in May. How do you think all of these seasons are going to end? Rockies and baseball. What are you thinking? You think they play? I think they play. If South Korea was able to figure, you know, it's the most socially distant sport. So I think they play. Um, I think the Rockies do not. I think they play no more than eight games, if not less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see some weird stuff with pitching. You know, maybe it's the 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 ghost of the piggyback comes back, or something like that. For everybody, for everybody, and it turns out it was a great idea for everybody else. Um, but if if I I think they play, and I do not think the Rockies will make any semblance of whatever postseason there will be. Um, I don't know why I'm doing this prediction thing. I don't really like predictions, but I did. He reminded me of something. We didn't even talk about the death of the pitcher hitting. Like, it, it looks like it's a uh, foregone conclusion that we're going to have DH forever. I've always – I've been a proponent of the hybrid DH rule, which has got a no traction anywhere, where you have a DH for your starting pitcher, and then once the starting pitcher comes out, the pitchers have to hit. Yes, I remember DH, you saying that. Yeah, your DH goes back to the bench. It's the best of all worlds. You, ha- you cut down on the number of hit- pitchers hitting – but you still keep the strategy of having the pitchers hit. Yeah, I think, and then, I mean, you know, then we could see the joy of Wade Davis potentially, you know, bunting one day. Nobody wants to see that, I guess. That's the one thing about that. Do you, how are you feeling about Drew Locke right now? We'll just go, like, questions I'm having that are sort of Okay. Um, I feel good about him. I feel, I feel we obviously did a lot of, we gave him a lot of new toys. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of the why not us. We've seen all sorts of, uh, he, cause he's, he's going to be a rookie plus essentially. He played what five games. He's a rookie plus, uh, we've seen plenty of, I feel like every year there's, there's two or three, uh, rookie or second year quarterbacks that, you know, do, do a job that you're like, Oh, they could be a franchise quarterback maybe. And I say, why not us? Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Patrick Mahomes, so yeah, very, very close up. Uh, I'm really not feeling very good about the Nuggets' chances in the playoffs. Do you have wh- what optimism, if any, do you have to give me? Uh, I think Jamal Murray is probably doing crazy workout somewhere in Toronto right now. Um, no, he's probably like carrying seven blocks on each you know hand as he dribbles whatever crazy exercise his dad has come up with to make him (laughs) so I think Jamal Murray is gonna be ready um and I think that's the weird you know and if we'll find out if skinny joker is a good thing or not so well and I mean yeah we just you just have to hope at some point Murray's going to really emerge as a consistent threat I did see video of 
bull bull working out, which looked amazing. So oh. we, we can say goodbye to Mason Plumley once the season's over. <laughs> um, and I guess just last question, how are you feeling about the abs right now? I'm feeling pretty good. I am worried that if they do the format with best of fives, it becomes more of a coin flip, but I do think the abs are still far and away the best chance of us seeing a championship in the next two years. Oh, definitely. I agree. Cause also, you know, they should all be healthy now. Um, I get the biggest problem I'm sure with them or just the NHL in general is like how many of the abs players are actually in the United States right now. So I yeah. think that's my, I feel good about the abs as long as a bunch of, uh, all the Swedes and all the Finns and all the Canadians and all the Russians can get on planes and come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come home. Come fast. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they want to. Yeah. So, well, that, that does it for this no sports edition of the Denver's. Thanks so much for coming on, Aaron. Thanks for having me. And for Quinn, who uh, is listening and, and in good health, I'm Derek. And I'm Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. (laughs) That's Aaron. Okay, now you got to say peace. Oh, I got to pull a Quinn. This is for you, Quinn. Peace.